We're back. Episode 107 here on the Real Kipper at Noon Show. Welcome, everybody. Concluding your week. I hope it's a, a safe one wherever you are here in Ontario. Things a little challenging here. I know for my good buddy Doug McLean south of the border, it's as if nothing's going on. And I'm not sure which side is, is doing best. But we'll get to Doug McLean in a minute. Um, certainly on Friday, things are, get a little crazy sometimes. So we'll see where this show ends up taking us. Joe and Jordan also standing by as well. Uh, but today's thumbnail revolves around the coaches. And who better to talk to than, than Doug McLean? He's been there. He's done it. He's experienced it. Uh, for many teams, we are under 10 games. So, yeah, maybe we're jumping the gun a little bit. But what's really going to change between now and the next three weeks? So can we talk about the best coaches out there? Who has done the best job? You know, this could be argued that this has been the most challenging coaching year in history. So whoever ends up winning this award can argue that under the circumstances of obviously a pandemic, one of a flat cap, one of a general manager shutting the door on a lot of things, a taxi squad, this will be maybe one of the most rewarding awards we've ever seen when it comes to a coach accepting this award. So yeah, let's get into it. Let's bring in Doug McLean here from Florida and talk about uh, who's been the most impressive. And Mac, I think on the surface, we can look at Quenville, uh, Brindamore, DeBoer, and, and, and probably slot those guys as much as anybody else behind them. And there's going to be a lot of honorable mentions here. And, and maybe someone outside of the three that I just mentioned could find a way to get on a real hot streak here and, and close this thing out and, and maybe win the award, i.e. a Barry Trotz, uh, Dean Evanson in, in Minnesota. But right now, those three names kind of stick out for me. Yeah, I think you're right on the names. The other only other name I would add to that group uh, is Bedner in Colorado. Sure. A guy that, you know, came out of the East Coast League, came out of the American Hockey League, uh, you know, worked in the American Hockey League in Cleveland for Columbus. Chris McFarland hired him, assistant GM. You know, obviously he and Joe Sackick hired Bedner, but Chris McFarland was the guy that really went to bat for him to bring him to Colorado. It's been a good choice. He's done a real good job there. They got okay. a good team, but he's it, so there's a half a dozen guys. Okay, there. listen, uh, I, before we start breaking down a few of them and what's going on with their respective teams, uh, the comment that 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 I just made: this could be the most challenging coaching year in NHL history. Do you agree? Or it could be one of the easiest because okay, you've explain. got you, you've got them totally confined. You don't have to worry about them being out in the bars. You know, I used to walk the hallway, you know, when we'd have a curfew and I, the guys wouldn't be out, but I'd see a dozen beer outside a guy's door, you know, on, a, on the, uh, the uh, room service tray, you know. So it is the toughest challenge maybe in coaching history, but also one that your players aren't out breaking curfew and having fun on the road and at home, they're pretty well confined. So that would be a coach's dream too, wouldn't it? Well, I'm going <laughs> to counterpoint that and I'm going to, I'm going to one up you and I'm going to talk about uh, the mental challenge that, that you have to deal with on a daily basis with your, with your players and Robin Leonard in, in Vegas. If you're Pete DeBoer now, and you see the frustration of him. And we all saw the press conference, very outspoken, uh, basically called the NHL uh, liars and uh, felt like maybe protocols should be relaxed or he felt like he was trapped in prison, Mac. This is a guy that, that went public. But as for coaches, there's got to be a lot of players maybe feeling the same way as Robin but won't go public. But that's got to be the biggest challenge for a coach is dealing with the player's mental state 
in this season? Yeah, it is. It would be a challenge. I, I can't imagine. We talked about the bubble as one thing, but you knew that was, you know, going to be a couple of month uh, term if you went to the Stanley Cup final. And I guess then it would be worth it for a couple of teams. But this year, when you have to do it for an entire season where you're confined on the road in particular, um, going out to dinner, doing the things you want to do with your teammates, uh, going out and having a few beer, it I can't imagine how tough it is on the players and also on the coaching staffs. I mean, coaching staffs are a little different. They still like to go out and have dinner and do their thing on the road, but they're they they they're confined in their rooms doing video and so on a lot too. But I can't imagine how tough it is. I, I really, really can't. Players in particular and coaches next because you've got to deal with the players. The Leonard thing... I would be, I mean, look, I, I, I what do you know say to him? What do you say to him if you're uh, Pete DeBoer now? Because you, you, you have to be respectful, Mac. The, There's the, nothing the, you the, can the, say to him. The time has changed so much. We, our era, people would have said you're crazy for discussing anything outside of a hockey game. Yeah. And, you, and today the players, we know that there's, there's, there's a bigger, there's a big stage for them to to state however they feel, whether it's on or off the ice, political, whatever the case is. They're, they have a platform now that we never had as a player. So, as a coach, Mac, the first your first thought is keeping everybody focused and, and trying to avoid the distractions. But how does a how does a coach go about a player like Robin right now? Well, you're a hundred percent right that you know a player has the right to discuss these things and mental health is such an important thing that has to be discussed and talked about we all know that the only concern you would have is he's a really important player on the las vegas thunder or golden knights keep saying the ihl team the thunder and you really need him 100% focused. And I, I I applaud him for what he did, if in fact it's accurate. I don't know if it's accurate. The league certainly didn't think it was accurate. I can guarantee you that, what he said. Um, but he has a right to say it, and I applaud him for it. And I know he's battled some major issues in his career. Uh, and you need him 100% focused on getting the job done at playoff time. But what do you say? What can you ever say to a guy that comes out and talks about his own mental health and the mental health of many, many people? Important topic. Yeah. I, I don't issue. think, I, I, I don't think he can. I don't think no, Pete DeVore or George McPhee mm -mm. or uh, Kelly McCrimmon can go up to him and say, Hey, listen, uh, I hope you're okay with saying your piece, but uh, no, you let's stop it now. Let's just focus on the game. I, no, I you can't, can't see that. I can't see that happening. No, and and you know what? You have to be educated on all these things because remember, we're in the dressing room, we're in the trenches, we're in there, and we're all focused on one thing, and that's winning. And you have to be aware of all these other situations, and you have to be aware that. You know, you have to deal with lots of issues, lots of issues. There was lots of players I had that had mental health issues, lots of them. It, but it was not the same. It was not the same. But you still dealt with them in as positive a way as you could as a human. But today it's much different. And I, you know what, you, you just can't say anything except, hey, um, what can I do? To help, I think that's what you can say. What can I do yeah. to help? Yeah, is there yeah, anything I, I can do to help? Yeah, I, I agree, and uh, I'm sure Leonard and Gary Bettman or Bill Daly have had conversations. Robin came out and he said he, he commented on his uh, frustration, saying that maybe it didn't come out in the way I would have wanted, but. There's no question that uh, there needs to be ongoing dialogue between Robin 
and maybe other players who decided not to to speak out and the league to move forward here because it's going to be a tough 10 games to finish this regular season and maybe even a tougher two months to win a Stanley Cup. And we still don't know definitively what that's going to look like for the players here. We don't know whether or not it'll just play out respectively the way it has during the regular season, they still may end up going somewhere. We don't, we're not, we're not a hundred percent sure that the North division in Canada is going to get played out in Canada until a conference final, especially with the th- way things are going here in Ontario. Right. And, but go, just going back to Leonard for one minute, I, I can guarantee you the league, Gary Bettman, Bill Daly and company don't like to be referred to as liars. Yeah, that that needs to be uh, straightened out. I hope I I hope it does. That needs to be addressed in a non-public mental health in a non-public non-mental health. This is just a a, and they do not want to be referred to as liars. I guarantee you that. So, and I'm sure that's what Robin was addressing when he said maybe you know. So, you are now more in favor of my side saying that this is one of the most challenging years in NHL history for a coach opposed to your, this is the easiest season. Because of the uh, lack of partying on the road. Correct. (laughs) Correct. How do you keep a straight face? How do you do it? How do you do it? (laughs) I'll never forget. I got to tell you, I, I I said, okay, curfew is 1130. And then I walked by the, the player's room, and there's a dozen Bud Lights sitting on a tray outside his room. <laughs> I mean, skate up to him the next morning in the morning skate, he just reeked the booze. Just reeked the booze. Hey, how was your night? How did you enjoy the movies? Playing yeah. guilty. Yeah. Worked for so many of them. But you know what he years. said to me? He was a smart guy. You know what he said? I had the boys over for beer. <laughs> That's right. We were bonding. <laughs> yeah. How can you argue bonding? Exactly. Okay, Mac, let's get back on focus and 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 who we deem now is the odds on favorite for uh coach of the year. I, I've got I got Rod Brandamore at the top and I got everybody else underneath. I have got Rob Brendamore as coach of the year. Too many times it goes to guys that have bad teams and you know they have a a good season or a fluky season or something happens and they, and they win coach of the year. Um, I would take Brendan Moore because of what he's done and what he's built since taking over from Bill Peters. So it's been a three year process or so, and he's improved every year. They play hard, they compete, they play a good system to me he would be the number one coaching candidate if he walks from Carolina for most jobs in the league that are open. We'll, we'll get into that a little later. Uh, but So, uh, Brendan Moore is my choice. Brendan Moore's Overwhelmingly my choice for coach of the year. Maybe up until about a week and a half, two weeks ago, there was a lot of people suggesting Joel Quenville was the odds-on favorite. And we liked Carolina. We believed Carolina could be a contending team, Mac, but we didn't necessarily feel that way about Florida Panthers at the beginning of the season. Does that does that give more credit to Joel Quenville? Is all things I being think, equal, shouldn't the coach of the year come from a team that was less expected to win? Therefore, doesn't Joel bump up a little bit here? That that's always how it's been, and. You know, that's why so many coach of the years get fired very shortly after they win the award, because it's sometimes a fluke situation. Not all the time, but sometimes it is. So uh, I think Joel so Quenville, Florida's a fluke. You think Florida's just uh, No, I think I think I think there's I think it's a, a situation where they have a good base there and they had some real holes with their with their team in past years. Um, I think you've seen a new general manager come in and, you know, along with Rick Dudley, a veteran hockey guy, and they've plugged some holes. 
some simple things like a Gudis, a Nudavari, uh, you know, some some Duclair, some 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 relatively no name. The kid they signed out of uh, Tampa Bay, some relatively no name guys that have come in and now they're playing really well. So I think it's a combination of Joel doing a real good job and deservedly so, in my opinion, would be my number two choice for the coach of the year. Um, Barkov has been absolutely a star for him with his, what, I think 20th last night. Um, So to me, it's not a knock on Joel Quinville. I just think Brendan Moore has done a better job, and I and Joel could very well be right there as a one and a one A for me. Nadelkovic uh, with a, a big save to close out uh, last night's win. The other thing is Brendan Moore owns the Florida Panthers. He owns Joel. It's hard for Joel to win this trophy when he's can't beat the coach that you're up against here. And for whatever reason, well, Carolina owns. The Florida Panthers this season, 06 and one. I remember when I was uh, I was nominated for Coach of the Year, and I uh, I went to the award ceremony, and it was, you know, we had a good regular season, a good regular season, and finished with ninety five points, which was the the third year of the Panthers franchise, and we got in the playoffs, so that was a huge, huge thing. So I then we have this amazing run where we go to the Stanley Cup Finals. So I go to the coach of the year ceremony and it's, I forget who the third candidate was, but it was Scotty Bowman and myself. And I'm not sure who the third guy was for coach of the year. You're just crushing him. He's watching the show right now. He I know. subscribes to the real Kipper at noon show. And was it Paul Maurice? But a, would, it, would it be Paul Maurice? Maybe. I don't know. Uh, I was research team on that. Yeah, Coach of the Year, 1995-96 season. Who was the three nominees for Coach of the Year? So anyway, I'm sitting there. Get our chat on that, too. Of course, we go to the Stanley Cup Finals, and Detroit got beat out in the third round. We go to the finals, and Scotty Bowman wins Coach of the Year. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, how cool is it that I'm runner-up to Scotty Bowman? (laughs) Or you sat there and said, this shouldn't be decided until after the Stanley Cup. Oh, exactly. That's what that's what I said to to Jill, but I didn't say that in public. <laughs> I said it to Jill that it's a goddamn joke. It's that a this joke is going on. But to the media, I said, "What an honor it was to be runner up to Scotty Bowman." <laughs> so I, I think, think if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I think Scotty said in his acceptance speech, "You know, I really appreciate this, but I think somebody else may have deserved it a little more than me." Now I don't know if he's talking about me. Maybe he was. <laughs> but I did win Hockey News Coach of the Year. I see the plaque right here. Oh, no, we've seen it uh, many times. <laughs> yeah. It's just you know, I very, was in a very closet. strategically it was put in, back there. It was in a closet, and when I did this John Shannon studio that he always rips me about, I put that picture in there. Well, oh, you wow. see his Emmy <laughs> Award, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Every so time he what, does it. So what I'm saying is Coach of the Year is – you know, I it it it's such an important position. Do they win games for teams? No, but they got to make sure they don't lose games for teams, and that's what you always look at with coaches. Do they lose games? They don't always win games, but they don't cause their team to lose games. Well, before we dive into maybe uh, other other teams, uh, I just want to flush out this Brenda Moore Mackets been noted and it's very public that this guy needs a new contract in Carolina. We know that the owner Tom Dundon does not run a hockey team in the traditional conventional way as other owners in the past. He we wants to bring in the same philosophy. You feel okay, what are you doing? Is that your phone? Which one? Just, Which one of you was it? The- I was just checking the stock market. Go ahead. <laughs> uh-huh. you, See, you were, it's I was, Friday, I was, and you're was, not paying attention. I was nodding off when you started going on about Tom Dundon. I started to nod off. So I thought, Mac, well, I'll just check. I'll just sex, check to see where the market is today. This guy <laughs> throws around money like manhole covers. That's why I was checking the market. It, that's what it, why it tweaked me to check the market. 
how is this guy <laughs> going to keep Rod Brendamore in Carolina long term and stick to his philosophy that you don't have to pay top dollar? That is going to be the the ultimate challenge, and he has to make an evaluation as a as a corporate guy and a guy that's been successful in his businesses in the variety of businesses that he's been in, sometimes you have to realize that there's very, very key people, much like Tim Cook and Apple. They probably realize he's a pretty smart guy. I know he's a friend of yours, but he's a pretty smart guy. Sometimes you have to step back and say, how valuable is this guy to our coaching staff? How valuable is this guy to our organization? And why? how responsible is he for where we are? And maybe if that's the case, in your wallet and make sure you don't lose a top guy. Because I guarantee you, if he's available, he will get the Seattle Kraken job. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he'll be the next coach of Seattle if, if Carolina doesn't step up. But I think it wouldn't surprise me that he wants to stay in Carolina. That wouldn't surprise me. He's been there a long time. Yeah. It's a great area to live, family, all the things that go with that. I would think his preference is to get a deal done in Carolina. That that's my own opinion. The word is I don't though, know that. The, the feeling is that up until this point, he's he's lowballed them. And but, does it does it get to a point where you start to take it really personally and then form decisions in your head now? Is that possible? Well, coaches have gotten you know, you got to be careful on this league average of coaches' salaries because you've got a couple of guys that have skewed it way out of way out of whack. Because Quenville's getting six million and Babcock was getting six million, you know, and and I look at a couple of guys that have got four million in Vino, who's done, a, in my opinion, a terrible job in Philadelphia, and you got McClellan in L.A. I don't know if he's done a good job. I don't pay any attention to them this year. I mean, it's skewed way out of whack, way out of whack. So to say that I want the league average as my coaching salary, uh, you got to look at what the other 20 guys are making. Like John Cooper makes $3 million a year. Quenville makes six. And uh, McCollin probably makes four. Vino makes four. And Cooper's three. And everybody thinks it. And that's the league average, $2.9 million. So everybody thinks they need to, they should get paid five million. Well, sorry, money's tight right now. So Babcock gets full credit for pulling all these salaries up. Did his early firing in Toronto pull it back down? I would, I would think that that some of these guys that have picked up the three, four million that I just mentioned in Vino and and McClellan. I would think they they've pulled it down as much as like why are you paying Vino four million dollars? Why are you paying Julian four million dollars in Montreal? Well, you were hoping that they were going to get them to the promised land. Yeah, That's you're why. hoping. You're hoping. You're hoping. Well, you know what Hope did. What would you have gotten paid in '95? I was making. I got the job with Florida. I thought, oh man, I got I just hit a home run. I got 275, 275, 275 in a three-year deal. And we went to the Stanley Cup finals. And uh, Mr. Heizinga called me in with Brian Murray and said he was moving me to 455 and 550 on a three new brand new three-year deal. No way. You didn't and even ask did, for it. I didn't ask for it, and he gave me 50,000 shares in Panther Holdings, which ended up being, at one point, it was worth a, a million two or a million three at that time. And I and a $50,000 bonus. Uh, he gave me an automatic $50,000 bonus, which I used to pay off a mortgage on my cottage. Um, so I just said, whoa, this is pretty nice. Um, and, and, out of the blue, out of the blue, Brian Murray, and he, he did that. So it was... And I told you what happened. Um, poor Clark. I was making 475 the next year. They had a big story in the Miami Herald or the Fort Lauderdale Sun Sentinel, and they had Jimmy Johnson's salary at two million, 
Jimmy Leland's salary coaching the Marlins at 1.6 and Pat Riley's salary with the Heat at 2 million. And they had me at 475. And Clark came home from school. He was in like grade five. And the kids were teasing him about how poorly paid his old man was. And Clark was embarrassed that I, you know, that I was getting paid so poorly. So you know. I, I got to think, though, you know, you've embarrassed him in other ways. He probably was used to it. Yeah, he was. He was. Anyway. So and, and how long how long after that were you fired? Oh, a year and a half after that. <laughs> I think you did great. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah, it was good. Peter anyway. DeBoer. Peter DeBoer, second team to clinch uh, a playoff spot uh, the other night. I look at Vegas, Mac, and they're, they're a good team. But Peter DeBoer doesn't have he, – he's got one of the most complete defensemen in Petrangelo, but – he doesn't have a, a McDavid. He doesn't have a McKinnon. He doesn't have a Matthews, Drysidel. Uh, you get the point here. Um, he's done a pretty good job with it, and also a, a two-headed monster with two goalies that expect to be number one goalies here. Yeah, he he has. You know, look, uh, Vegas have been such a unique situation, and. As a former expansion GM, it's really frustrating to watch how good they've been because of what other expansion GMs had to go through. So I find it really kind of hard to heap praise on them because they had such an unbelievable situation. They did a hell of a job. Gerard Glant did a hell of a job there. Peter DeBoer has come in and has done a good job with a good team. Um, he deserves credit. I... I'm a little biased there because I'm a Gerard Gallant fan, which everybody knows. Uh, but, um, you know, that happens. But, Peter, you you can't say – I don't know how great a coach he is technically. They think he's a, a great technical coach. But I know one thing, he manages the dressing room well. And he's done a good job with a good team. And that's why he probably won't win it because he's done a good job with a good team, a very good team. And that's why Bedner won't win it because he's done a very good job with a very good team. That's expected Brind to win. That's expected to win. That that's why Ju I don't think Brenda Moore and I don't think Bedner win it because of that, which is wrong. No, no, not Brenda Moore. But You're talking about not, DeBoer. Yeah, De Bedner and DeBoer. They don't win it because they ex I think that's why I think it's Quenville or or uh Brenda Moore. Because the the expectations weren't there. We thought Carolina were gonna be good. We didn't I didn't think they're gonna be this good. Colorado with a big win over St. Louis 4-2 last night. Like I said, the second team uh, to clinch a playoff spot. McKinnon, by the way, three assists. By the way, what? I don't, I don't want to interrupt you, but I did. I was thinking last night watching that game. They signed Falk, and they let Petroangelo leave. Yeah, and I'm watching Falk, and I'm thinking. That may come down as something they will regret because he has. There's some nights he's really good fall. And there's a lot of nights he's really, really average. And Petroangelo has, is not the big guy you notice every night, but he's such a steady and influence. Yes, and is. I don't think he wanted to leave St. Louis. I really don't. And I don't know that that may not come back to haunt. Yeah, that decision may not come back to hot. Well, there's, there's you agree with that, me or not? Yeah, well, there's some nights it's just you don't know what to expect out of St. Louis, and you you look at that lineup, and there's still plenty reasons to think that they can compete. Yeah, big time Stanley Cup final. Uh, but then they leave you leaving a lot more, and I think a healthy Pareko, a, 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 yeah. a healthy Pareko would go a long way, Mac. But I don't know if he'll ever come back to find his game here at and, least this season and i think petroangelo is a major loss well we mentioned bedner you know he's now the second winningest coach in franchise history he passed uh bob hartley he's still kind of i don't know maybe it's just me but you don't necessarily think about uh bedner that way but uh he only trails uh your go good buddy uh michelle bergeron it's unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he's got to manage, you know, 
one of the stars in the game in, in McKinnon. And we all know McKinnon's a great hockey player, but, you know, there's some nice, this guy get a little moody. <laughs> that's that's a challenge but like you said this is a team that's supposed to win mac yeah and uh lots of pressure on both i think uh deboer and and bedner to come out of this uh division all right honorable mentions mac i've got barry trotz again i've got dean evitson and sullivan in pittsburgh which is a team that i thought would be fighting for their lives to make the playoffs, but they're challenging to win the division. Dean Evison really jumps out at me as a guy that's come in. Look, he was a, he was a snotty nose guy to when he played. I don't know how many games he played, but he had played a couple hundred games, but he, did you play with Dean Evison in Hartford? Uh, uh, no, I missed him. But he he was a snotty nose competitive <laughs> son of a gun. Nose. I'm sure he <laughs> appreciates that now. Superstar junior, but I'll tell you what, he goes in, he takes over in there, and I'll tell you what, he he has shown me so that he's got some some big ones. I mean, who sits Zach Parise? Who helps straighten out Suter? Who buys? Who gets Suter to buy in to the program and the minutes? And the minutes. And I'll tell you what, they're one of the surprise teams. I, I We had Minnesota right there because it's such a funny, you know, that some teams are really starting to rebuild. So we knew many would be better. I didn't have them as good. I didn't have them this good. Billy Guerin has done a good job. So I've got to give Dean Evison big time credit for some of the moves he's made and getting this team to actually play Finally, they don't look like Jacques Lemaire's team anymore. Now they play with some flair. Kaprizov, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, Kirill, that works. Kirill, has has sort of helped change the dynamic of this team, and they play a, a opening. They are dying to play Vegas in the first round, and Vegas is not dying to play them in the first round. So that will be fun to see. But I think Dean Evison's done a hell of a job. I really do. All right, we got. Uh, By the, the way, last... I just I, I just got a note uh, from a, a guy, a friend of yours. I've been corresponding a little bit on on Twitter with Mark Curtin, who was a former NHL player yes. and who played. And we were going back and forth the other night because when I was coaching University of New Brunswick, Mark Curtin was playing for the Frederick Express, and he mentioned to me that, and this is on the coaching tag. He said the Frederick Express. I think it was eighty five, eighty six. Mark Crawford, Claude Julian, and Grumpy Andre Savard <laughs> were three guys that came off that Fredericton Express team that became big name NHL coaches. Pretty interesting. American League team. So Mark Curtin, we know, is battling uh, ALS. Yes. Yeah. I didn't know Mark. I have I I knew of him, and he told me I met him in a bar one night in Fredericton at the Cosmo, and I said, "You must have had the wrong guy, Mark. I was never in the Cosmo." <laughs> well we wish mark all the best and he is he's in a big yes. battle right now with lou gehrig's disease and yes um, we do we do wish him a great nhl alumni i've known mark for many years here in the in yeah. the toronto area and we wish him nothing but the best great mm -hmm. guy great and he guy. said that he said to make sure i said hello to you so i just oh, said hello i just fantastic. said hello fantastic yeah. fantastic guy um all right so mac uh, we've exhausted it. I think we all all believe that uh, in the, the last ten games, it's Rod Brendamore's uh, uh, award to lose. I, I don't see it. They they're they're pumping on all cylinders right now. That Carolina team, and uh, but we're in for a, a great finish here. Uh, but what this a team in the division. What a what a division it's going to be though. When you look at the, how great the Panthers are playing, and they could. I mean, who's going to win this division? How critical is it? to win this division and not have to play head to head with, you know, Tampa versus Florida or whoever in that first round. But that's why we're going to love the first rounds this year in so many divisions. It's going to be unbelievable. So as we watch the, the, the final uh, stretch here in each division, are we reminded last night when we watched Toronto and Winnipeg, why this division 
is considered the weakest among the three of them because the inconsistencies that we've seen in the last little while out of a lot of clubs here suggest that whoever comes out of this division will be a huge underdog in the conference final. Well, uh, you know, you watch, you sit down to watch that game last night and you're thinking, okay, I'm going to see an unbelievable Winnipeg-Toronto game here. You got Felino dressing in his first game and the excitement around that. And, you know, the team, you know, how is he going to be battling for first place? And all of a sudden, Hellebuck, who we rave about all the time on this show, who is a hell of a goalie, but he can have the odd off night we've seen. And he was god awful last yeah. night. And it, it ruined the, it, it was over. It well, was it, they it, battled back, but it was essentially over. It didn't and, necessarily look great for Jack Campbell either. I think we, what did we have? Uh, three goals in on four shots uh, right. in this game, but Jack battled back hard. Yeah, he did. Made a couple of big saves. So, I'm, what I'm saying is, it it you see it night to night, like you see Ottawa go in and beat Vancouver after beating the Leafs two straight, and you got, you know. Edmonton blows it. And I mean, it, Montreal goes in and wins. And the next night, Montreal can't get out of their own way. I mean, it's just the inconsistencies. And you said it. The inconsistencies in the, the division are unbelievable. Now you got Calgary. They can't practice. They, they canceled their practice today. Obviously, it would be a COVID uh, concern. Um, I, I can't believe Daryl would give them the day off, knowing Daryl. So. It so would have to be. Did, did you buy into uh, like a lot of uh, the media around Toronto that this was the greatest uh, Leaf de- debut in, in uh, Leaf history uh, out of Nick Foligno? Ugh. I thought no, it was I it was, was it was it was okay, Mac. But uh, there's there's nothing I there. Was kinda, I he, was kinda... He's just warming up here. He said it. He didn't feel. Uh, he, uh, he I didn't feel great, but um, he was okay. I, here's I'm not what sure here's he was great. I thought after two periods, I was disappointed in his game. Okay. That's what I thought. But here's the, and then as the game ended, I thought, you know what? That's why you love Nick Felino. I know they loved him in Columbus. Torts loved him. My great friend, Jeff Rimmer loved him because he's consummate team. And I watched what he did on the, on the big play. They tried to give him an assist earlier, but I saw what he did, the unselfish play he made with Mariner. To me, he's he's a team builder. And I like that a lot. I, I shut the TV, you know, I went to a different game after that. And I thought, you know what? That was that was a great move, number one, a great effort play for a guy that was quarantining and all the other things, the pressure of the first game in Toronto. I really liked the play he did. To giving the puck to Marner. I really did. I think he smoked Morsi as well uh, in the corner, yeah. and, and he's got that ability to do that. Yeah. Uh, and and that is that is the playoff type of hockey. So it'll it'll be challenging here if, if they can keep uh, everybody healthy on, on who's in and who's out. A uh, couple of uh, head hits last night. Uh, the first one uh, was Galchenyuk on Lowry and you didn't think too much of it, Mac. It was almost like a, a, a brush, but that Adam Lowry does not disappear unless it was significant. And to lose a guy like that in the hockey game for Winnipeg was significant. So that <laughs> and Joe Thornton's hit on, on uh, Matthew Perot, I, I, th- I thought the Thornton hit was worse. Than the one on Galchenyuk, I thought for sure there'd be a, at least a, a hearing, uh, but I haven't seen anything yet. I, maybe it, it's passed. Maybe they looked at it and they didn't like it. But I'll so, tell you what: um, during the show, Thornton, Thornton was fine. Was fine. Yeah, he was fine. Okay, so who was Galchenyuk? They didn't think anything of it, and, and Thornton was fined on on the hit on uh, Matthew Perot. Well, I, and I agree with it. I, and so, but here's the here's the issue is. They they could have had a they had a big impact in this hockey game. Lowry's going to go head to head with Matthews line, and he's out of the game, and he was vicious about it. He was he was upset 
is you knew he was out of the game because of the way he was talking to the referee. He knew he was done. And Perot, they lost him. So two two important. I guys think Perot came are, back. If I'm not mistaken, I I think he did come back. Did he come back later? I think so. Yeah. And, you and know, obviously, obviously, he must have played really well. I never noticed he come back. Well, you know, that's that's another factor too. Yeah. And I, you know, it's I, I get sometimes the fans' frustration uh, on on what's a head hit, what isn't, what's suspendable, what isn't. At the end of the day, we're not paid to make those decisions. I thought Thornton was going to get a game for sure, yeah. uh, but a fine is it is what it is. Uh, the other factor here is, you know. Perot does not have a great reputation when it comes to uh, taking those type of hits. Right, they, right. they don't tend to give Matthew Perot the benefit of the doubt. No. Maybe that had something to play with Thornton avoiding a suspension. Yeah. And the other question that you always, as a coach, you're saying, okay, so it's not a, it's not a suspension for Galchenyuk. Um, it's because Lowry was down low. I get that. But was that a penalty? I don't, I don't know. Again, uh, he got hit in the head. I mean, and we, the I, game. I, I see, I see a lot of games where you get a five minute major and then a, after you look at it, Oh no, it's not a five minute major. I made a mistake. You know, they didn't jump the gun to make those two five yeah. minute majors last night. Yeah. You know, regardless of suspensions or, or no suspensions, I think it's a good sign for the Leafs that they were on the giving end opposed to the receiving end here, which isn't necessarily things that we've seen in the past. So maybe there is some 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 sandpaper because from a from a physical point of view, we'd still probably give Winnipeg the edge. Would you not? In terms of playing heavy, but last night I think the Leafs held their own. Look whether we like it or not, the Leafs have a reputation around the league of being pretty boys. And I thought last night that the pretty boys took a big, a big step. And I was really, I was pleased because when you, and, and the pretty boys isn't coming from me. That's what it, lots of people say about, you know, the Leafs, the Leafs, the Leafs. And it's lots of players that say it. And there are lots of coaches that say it, not publicly, but, but they say it. <laughs> but you just did. And yeah, but For I them. mean, but, but I thought the Leafs, we know what it's going to be like in the playoffs. We know how tough it's going to be on them. And I thought they took a big step last night in that, in that area. And I thought that was good. And it's interesting that it was led by Galchenyuk that I wouldn't have thought. Thornton, who's, uh, who's as tough as they come. We know that. And also Felino and also some other guys. I thought it was I thought it was important. I really did. And I'll tell you who you said it, the goaltender battled. He he wasn't on his yeah. game, but he battled hard. And and Sean, uh, you know, Simmer mentioned it in the broadcast. You know, he's he's just maybe a little off here, you know, but he battled really hard, Jack. He battled hard at the end to to, to salvage that win. So I thought there was some real positives for the Leafs. Did you catch Jack Campbell's uh, post-game comments about learning a lesson last week about not being hard on himself. <laughs> Did uh, he thank you publicly for it? What's that? Did he thank you publicly for it? Because you're the you're the first one that brought it up, but I well, saw it was repeated many times after. But I think he's heading in the right direction, Mac. I'm just not sure in a week if you can change the last 10 years or 11 years of a of a fixed mindset and hopefully no. maybe it's not a fixed mindset. Maybe it's a, a growth mindset. Well, it's but, also that he's such a team guy that he wants to, he wants to be the guy to take, take the blame. I, you, you respect that in guys, but you got to make sure it doesn't affect your game. A really important thing for me is when do they get Freddie Anderson off the rollerblades and onto ice skates as Americans like to say, ice okay. skates. The the rollerblading thing has taken this to another level, has it not? <laughs> like, I'm thinking whatever you're dealing with, from the tip of your head to your your the bottom of your feet, whatever the case is, 
I wouldn't recommend rollerblading <laughs> to really flirt with a setback, whatever you're dealing with. So what is thought, it? I thought of them this morning. I was out for my early morning jog and this girl rollerblades by me in a thong. And I'm thinking, there, it hit me for some reason. I thought of Freddie Anderson. I don't know why. So <laughs> we all got to come to the conclusion, Mac, that he's fine. Yeah, I think so. But you cannot get him in without a long-term injury to Campbell, Riddick, somebody. Bogosians won't help. So not enough money. So now Leaf fans are just left to the conclusion that Freddie's just buying time until uh, there's no cap in the playoffs. Yep, probably. Are you comfortable with taking a chance that you may need to go to Frederick Anderson? And, I'm not. And having, I would not. I wouldn't be comfortable without him playing some games. And that's the dilemma. They've got three goaltenders. They've got a hope in what? How many got? What do they got? Nine, ten games left. Uh, ten, I think. They got ten games left to make sure their goaltenders are ready for the playoffs. And this is always a strategy with a, with a with a with a coach and a GM when you head down the stretch in the last ten, twelve games. Is who's going to play what games so that there's rest, that there's technically sound work, and it's always a strategy. And now you've got three guys that you've got to hope are somewhat ready to play in the playoff time because it's going to be an intense first round. And you know what it's like for goalies in the first round. They are pushed around. They are jostled. It's not like the regular season, Nick, when you're around that paint. It's a whole different ball game. So you got to be, you got to be yeah. technically ready and mentally ready for it. So that's the challenge. I would probably have thought that the best team out there that could give Toronto a run to come out of this North division was Winnipeg. I'm now leaning towards the Oilers. I'm telling you something. But, you know, Hellebuck is the, the difference maker in how he feels and how he, he goes into the first round. But Hellebuck would be the only reason, after watching last night, that you would believe that Winnipeg could beat Toronto. Okay. And and remember, it was said here, Montreal will not be easy in the first round. Montreal will not be easy in the first round, whoever they play. Well, Edmonton will not be easy in the first round because of McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nurse and Smitty and Goal. He'll battle his ass off. And Tippett's a good coach. I, I mean, you're right. And I, I mean, nobody is going to be the first round in the North, whether it's a lousy division or not. David Amber, oh, he just, he just, poor David Amber had his birthday yesterday, but this would crush him when I say the North division isn't that good. It would crush him. But anyway, Dave, I'm sorry I have to say it. <laughs> but the first round is going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a war. And don't, don't think Montreal won't be tough. I think. Before this is over. I think Montreal would just go back and watch the way the Columbus Blue Jackets beat the Leafs last you, year and go. Yeah, bring it on. Carey Price or Allen yeah. to do what right. Rizlikens and Corpusalo did last year and then shut them down. That's, and bring it bring I it just, in to the trenches. I don't bring know it if, into the trenches. I don't know if the Matthews and the Marners can get shut down two playoffs in a row. Again, I watching them last night, they're... Every time they crossed over the blue line, Mac, you felt like something special might happen. And Kyle Connor is a great goal scorer and a great shooter. And I, I think Shifley's a great centerman. But you don't get the same feeling when they cross the blue line nope. on nope. what could potentially happen than you do when with Matthews and Marner. And that is a huge edge for Toronto. I'm going to tell you something. The preparation that will have to go into coaching against Matthews and Marner is going to be unbelievable. I went into a coaching situation 
how to coach against Yager and Lemieux in one series, Lindros and Leclerc in another series. And I'm telling you what, the players, it is going to the, the the attention to detail, the players, when the coach starts talking about how we're going to play against Austin Matthews and Marner, you will see amazing focus. And that's that's when coaching in the playoffs becomes such an important thing. So when Dave Tippett or Ducharme or Paul Marie start to talk about how we're going to play against Matthews and Marner, it is going to be interesting. And Matthews and Marner, you're 100% right. They are so good. And they deserve so much credit. I love watching them play. I love watching them play. And Felino's there now. Hyman, hopefully, will be at ready. Yeah. They cannot afford this franchise cannot lose in the trenches. Mm-hmm. They cannot lose in the trenches this year. They got to come yeah. out of the, the, the battles yeah. positive. And they did last night. All right. One coach we didn't mention is Travis Green, who made a, a great recovery uh, off his battle with uh, COVID uh, and huge efforts against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They, they get uh, shut out by Ottawa last night. Vancouver's going to have to just find ways to get positive uh, vibes to end this thing. It doesn't appear like Mac they're going to get in there. Uh, Elias Pettersson, I'm told, is going to shut it down the rest of the season. It doesn't appear like he's going to be able to get back uh, battling, I think, a wrist injury. Uh, and it's just has not progressed, I think, where they're they're comfortable. But uh you know they're gonna. You know there's still a bright future there for for many of them, and I think the character showed tremendously uh, since they returned to play. Uh, what else strikes your fancy, Mac uh, Verana? Four goals in Detroit. Uh, we have something about a, Detroit, actually. We have a little bit of an injury. Uh, okay, let me uh, just say that uh, cool. Verana now has got to go toe to toe with Mantha, who's been able to put the puck in the net, Mac. All right, go ahead, Jordan. What do you got for us? Dylan Larkin will miss the remainder of the season. He will be reevaluated in two weeks, but that pretty much cuts it for them. Well, again, like like Patterson in Vancouver, Mac, uh, you got these young Smart. star players. They're not going anywhere anytime Shut soon. Them down. Shut, Shut them, them down. down. By the way, uh, big news, big news. Our good friend Ty Domi, who grabbed you by the throat and hauled you right over the desk one night when in front of me. Remember the beast? When I mean, he is a strong guy. Anyway, <laughs> that's par for the course. We know that uh, he was in Tampa Bay last night, taking in the the game between the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay, and his guest. Uh, they he I don't know who was Tom Brady Ty's guest or was Ty Tom Brady's guest? I would what imagine. Would you guess? Well, if if uh, uh, it's it's a hockey game, Mac, who do you think invited who to a hockey game? Come on. Well, Ty, Ty's not a name dropper. We know that. I mean, he's not a guy that, I mean, he likes to hang with us. We know we'd run into him. He'd like, you know, he's wow, always he's, great. Dr- he's dropped us like a hot potato. <laughs> I can't blame him, man. Me or Tom Brady. Figure it out. Anyway, I, even Tortorella didn't have the balls to sit Max out last night with Tom Brady watching the game. <laughs> Tom Brady got Max back in the lineup. Uh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Anyway, it comes back to the same thing. Max Domi has struggled at times, but he has to sit him out two games instead I don't of just get that. one I don't game. Get that. Like, who, Mac, who does that? I Come know. On. But we've beaten this up. Uh, Kekalainen feels it's... bad enough about this trade. For Anderson for Domi. He doesn't need his coach sitting out Domi for two in a row. Sit him out one. I'm fine with that. So but he doesn't have to do it too. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets, I think, are 07 and 1. I don't know if they've won two games, Mac, in the last month. Yeah. Merzlikens comes out and says, This is getting embarrassing. Not quite Jack Campbell, where he called himself embarrassing, but he said, This is getting embarrassing. It's painful sitting in the locker room. And I'm <laughs> I'm reading this and listen and, and trying to absorb it. And when this stuff goes public, Mac, can you imagine what it's really like for these guys? And I go back to Ryan O'Reilly as a Buffalo Sabre 
And he did the same thing. Hated coming to the rink. Not even sure I like hockey anymore. Like yeah. this is this is bad. When when players speak of this, this is really you, you know your organization's at a critical point. Ownership, management, coaching. Like it, it you gotta take it personally when your players speak like this publicly. Big time. And and then any the one thing I didn't like, he said, I don't want to be like Buffalo. I'm thinking, uh, you're, you might be worse than Buffalo right now, buddy. You know, so look, it, what, it's not good. It, it's devastating for a management team to hear that talk. It's devastating. It's it, it, your fan base. You don't want your fan base hearing it. You don't want your management team hearing it. You don't want your owner hearing it. It's not good. It's not good. And you know what? You know how the only way to fix it? The only way to fix it is on July 1st. They better get Seth Jones in a room with guards outside and not let him out till he signs. Yeah. Because that's going to be the start. And then on free agent day, the same day, you bet, you're going to have to overpay to get some people to go there. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to do it because you've got to change the perception, which in my opinion is an unfair perception because I happen yeah. to like Columbus, Ohio. Now, as a city, I love it as a city. Can you remove the the guards from the door for one second so Yarmo can go in there and tell Seth Jones exactly what that will make him sign long term? Well, first you let, before the guards come in, you let Tortorella out the door. You don't let him in there with the, put the guards there after Tortorella's out of the room. Well, to be out of the room, Mac, means that, you're out of the organization. They have no choice at this point but to thank John Tortorella for his years of service, but we're moving in another direction. That is a foregone conclusion right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But so now, but the but forgetting torts, it's all for me. Seth Jones. I mean, it's out there that Wierenski wants to go to Detroit. I mean. It's you know this is this has got to this has got to come to a stop and the only it and I don't know what Seth Jones wants to do I I think they can I'm hoping they can get him signed and they may have to pay him more than what he deserves based on the year he's had but they got to get they got to change this perception and that's where it's going to start to try to get that deal done July first. I would All be right, trying. Well, I would be trying right now to get it. Yeah. Well, they need. They need. If you can give your fans something to look forward to, that's what I mean. That I, would I, be the number one thing. Big time. Big time. Anyway. All right. One of our thumbnails uh, yesterday, the, Mac. The other we, thing they probably have to do next is get Jeff Rimmer on a long-term deal. Well, maybe you can. Let him know if, if anything changes, he's more than welcome because, to come on the show. Because here. because with the way my golf game has evolved, I don't want him down here playing golf with me because he's not good enough to play with me now. Oh, my. You turned yourself into a golf snob. <laughs> What's the prediction on Seth Jones here? Is he in Columbus next year, guys? Well, he's got one more year on his deal. So this yeah, is about yeah. extending the contract. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's but, in Columbus next year. You know, if if you don't feel like it's heading in that direction, you better start making some phone calls right now and trying to get whatever you can back for him. Because you can imagine if they don't get him signed and he said, no, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait till uh, next summer and see where it goes. Oh, that's a, that's the worst nightmare. You cannot take that chance anymore. You got burned by others who've walked out the door and brought you no return and you are paying the price to a certain extent because of that, can't happen again. Yeah, I'm with you yeah. too, Mac. Columbus isn't that yeah. bad. Columbus is a fine city, you know? Oh, no, There's I, a lot, I, lot yeah. worse places to be. So You want to believe it. So okay, anyway, Mac, uh, the, the other day we, we talked about uh, the defensive matchup between Washington and the Islanders, and what do they do for us, Mac? They made, shut made the us door. Look good. Both, both blue lines shut the door last night. And it was Samsonov that uh, uh, stood brightest uh, in the shootout, uh, a one nothing win. Uh, but two, 
Samsonov was fantastic in that first period. But the defenses on both teams, it's the defense is good on both teams, as we talked about last show, but the defensive play of both teams is I talked to somebody today, really interesting. I talked to a hockey guy this morning. He said, I said, who who's who do you think is the best team in the NHL today? You know what he told me? Washington Capitals. Really? That's what he said. And it sort of caught me off guard. Caught me off guard. And he watches. 10 games a night or whatever there is on Washington so the other, Capitals. The other, uh, besides uh, a low scoring uh, event, uh, Ovechkin leaving the game back. And uh, someone had whispered to me last night that he's been battling something uh, all season long. Really? I did not and know that. I'm, I'm, I'm watching and I'm again with 10 games and under to go for a lot of teams. Wouldn't you start thinking about maybe shutting this guy down? I know if I was thinking about playing him in the first round, I'd like to find out what it is bothering him. Well, I think. But I mean, they got to shut him down. They got to shut him down. Well, we've seen the, uh, we we saw Tampa Bay do that on Stanford. And uh, we hope he can come back. Yeah. A lot. There's a few people saying that it is not related to his uh, surgery. And that's his, great news. Uh, injury last year. So that's, that's just speculation news. at this point. Nothing uh, definitive that I've heard anyways, but that's what you do with these guys at this point, Mac, right? You, you, you shut them down if they can't well, You go. know what? We blew it. We should have We should have got Tom and Ty to find out that when they're in the press, up near the press box last night, find out what the hell's going on with Steven. What does Tom have that we don't, that Ty wouldn't? <laughs> Uh, Giselle, him of Giselle, Giselle, for and one us. thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Jill! I was, I'm not. That's not what I meant, Jill. That's Don't not get what yourself, I meant. The Don't get yourself now. in trouble, this man. It's gonna be a long weekend. It's gonna be a long weekend, man. <laughs> it's gonna be a bad weekend. All Jill's right, away. so Jill's uh, in Cincinnati. What do we, what else <laughs> we got going, Jordan? What are we gonna do next week? We're gonna go over a few more. Um, uh, awards next week. What do you, what do you got planned for? Yeah, so next week, as we near towards the postseason, it's kind of crazy. We're going to go through our predictions from earlier on in the season, talk about some awards, maybe do a little, maybe you guys could help me put some futures bets in and get some stuff going. Uh, maybe like uh, two and two months ago, I bet Patrick Kane, right. To, to win the MVP. So I'm, uh, I'm hoping that one sticks. We'll go through that. And then maybe we'll talk about some of the teams that have uh, been more or less mathematically eliminated and uh, just get our way towards the postseason, having a fun time. Mac, for uh, a guy that uh, should be on uh, uh, the back half of his career in Brad Marchand. Uh, oh, I thought you were guy... talking about me. I thought you were talking about me. No, no, no. Uh, this guy's <laughs> oh, playing my... the best hockey I've ever seen out of him, ever. I, I'll never forget watching this kid play midget hockey. Midget hockey. And he was a third round, I believe he was a third round pick of the Moncton Wildcats in the Quebec Major Junior League. Third round pick. And little guy buzzing around out there with unbelievable skill and midget. And look at the career he's had. Oh, man. Oh, man. He's a good player. He's such a good player. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, in Boston's. They look like they're kind of getting ready to, to prove to everybody that uh, they can they can still win cups. Yep. They're playing. I mean, uh, Taylor Hall has been a nice piece to help Krejci get him going and. I, I I mean their blue line of they gotta get Carlo back and get him going, get him back to where he was. That would be a real plus. So yeah, I, I the I Tukarask is a hell of a goalie too. He's a hell of a goalie. Well, he's a lot of speculation on what his intentions are. And what about long-term. the kid and what about the kid playing goal for them right now that's come in at a, a University of Maine, twenty two year old. Swayman has been unbelievable. Yeah, Swayman uh, is unbelievable how maybe good that's he's the, been. The heir apparent, Mac. I know. I mean, it was he, at 22 years of age. I believe he's 22. Anyway, I'm heading to the beach. It's Friday well, it's, afternoon. It's Friday Jill's afternoon. In, Jill's no, up in Cincinnati at a horse show. You shouldn't I'm going be. to the beach. Uh, no, let, me, gonna... let me steal you for one second first. I saw on Twitter, actually. That uh, in May something big has happened with P- HamptonsPEI.com. I have it on screen. Uh, oh, fine, fellas. I now. was a, I was about to mention oh. that you've got to go sell properties in PEI. 
I retweeted uh, your pitch out there in social media. I said, to get any deal closed, you got to throw in a case of uh, a little, little Buddha. Buddha. Hey, look, I and I will throw in a case of little Buddha if I can get it over the bridge, if they'll let me take it in <laughs> over the bridge. But listen, you got to check out hamptonspei.com. It's a it's a new resort, new development there. We uh, we built two uh, spec homes, uh, both going on the market May 1st. They're beautiful. One's an ocean front, one's an ocean view, but they're beautiful homes. So check out hamptonspei.com. I, I knew you would like the ring because you're a Hamptons guy. Yep. I got the uh, no. I got them on screen for everybody. These views are are magnificent. So uh, hey. the water Where's view, the, the waterfront, it's beautiful. Where's the golf course going? Fifteen minutes from Charlottetown, uh, fifteen to eighteen minutes from Charlottetown, five minutes from Victoria by the Sea with great restaurants, golf courses with anywhere from I would say fifteen minutes to thirty minutes to no, the greatest. I want golf the golf courses. course right there, right there. Well, we do have a, uh, there's a lot of acreage there, but um, we're going to use it to get shale for our road versus making it into a golf course. Sounds smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, well, guys. Well, glad we can help you here on the Real Kipper at Noon show make you more money because that's what it's really all about. About surviving. Get you a, a bigger RV. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, can't, I don't want. That's one thing I don't All want. All right, is a bigger go RV. go drive your RV. Go <laughs> drive your convertible, your Porsche. Uh, go to the beach. Well earned today, Friday, big weekend. <laughs> Doug McLean, everybody, the, the girl with the thong. You know, keep us keep us in the loop. Yeah, keep us in the loop. <laughs> that's Doug a bad McLean. line. That was a bad line. <laughs> Doug McLean from sunny Florida. All right, Joe and Jordan, thank you very much, guys. It was a good week. I think we were hanging in there. We're, we're grinding, getting towards that finish line and, and starting up a Stanley Cup playoffs. Let's keep our fingers crossed wherever you are. You're staying healthy, and uh, we continue to get through this together. I'm Nick Kiprios for Joe and Jordan, Doug McLean down in sunny Florida. Thanks for watching. Subscribe if you're watching for the first time. Hit that like button, and we'll see you on Monday.